Chapter 68 The Day That Will Right All Wrongs Oh, that you would bring the day which you have proclaimed! Lamentations 1.21 This is the voice of faith, sorrowful faith, yet still faith, faith anticipating the coming day of right and truth. Jerusalem had fallen. Her sons had gone into captivity, her walls and gates were in ruins, her streets were red with blood, her enemies were triumphant, and worse than all, her own sins had gone up to the heavens and brought down on her this terrible vengeance. In the midst of all this, Jeremiah sits and mourns. All around is dark. There is only one bright spot, and that is in the distant future, the arrival of the day that God had called or summoned. For he looks up to God as the righteous judge, the avenger of the wrongs of Israel, as well as the punisher of her sins. He comforts himself by the thought that God has fixed, or called, that is, proclaimed, a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Acts 17.31. This is Jeremiah's one hope, the solitary ray of light in the midst of utter gloom. So it is with us now. We are troubled with the evil that surrounds us. The wicked triumph. The good are few, and their names are cast out as evil. Evil men and seducers grow worse and worse. We are helpless in the midst of all this sin, blasphemy, and defiance of God. What then is our consolation? That God will bring the day that He has proclaimed, that man's day and Satan's day will not last forever, but that God's day is at hand. For He that will come will come. And will not delay. Hebrews 10:37. Having done our utmost to restrain the flood of iniquity, to maintain the cause of God, to lift up a banner for the truth, and feeling that we are wholly impotent against the powers of earth and hell, we call to mind the promise that God has appointed a day for setting all things right, and we fall back on this sure word, comforting ourselves with the thought that the cause is really God's and not ours, and that He will vindicate it in due time. This enables us to possess our souls in patience. God, by His prophet Amos, speaks of this day, and of those who look for it in this way. Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? Amos 5.18. It's as if He would say, You know not what you are doing. Why do you desire that day? It is darkness and not light. And this is indeed one awful aspect of the coming day. It is not to be desired but dreaded. But there is another aspect of it, so that it is a day to be desired, not dreaded. Let us speak of the reasons why a believing man should desire the judgment day and the judgment seat, and looking up calmly should say to God with a longing heart, Oh, that you would bring the day which you have proclaimed, and should respond to words of Christ regarding his arrival with Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Revelation 22 20. 1. God will no longer be shut out of his own world. He is now excluded. Jehovah is not the God of this world. Man shuts him out and has done so from the beginning. Depart from us is the world's all but unanimous voice. As far as the individual will or the united will of humanity can do it, 
God has been shut out. But when the day that God has called arrives, God will intercede. He will come in and show Himself. He will take to Himself His great power and He will reign. What a world it will be when God will no longer be shut out. Men strive in vain to banish Him. They may do so for a little while, but the day of God is coming. He will force open the world's long shut gates and enter triumphantly. 2. Christ will no longer be denied and blasphemed. The special hostility of the race has been directed against the Son, the Christ of God, against Him in whom God specially reveals Himself. It is Him that men deny and blaspheme. A Christ in some shape they may acknowledge, but not the Christ of God. The Christ of Socinus, Strauss, Renan, or Colenso they will tolerate, but anything beyond this they scoff at and gnash their teeth. How often are our souls troubled and our hearts all but broken at the sounds of blasphemy, the utterances of hatred against Christ. Then we fall back on the promise regarding the coming day, when Christ will be exalted and His name honored. O day to be desired, when thus it will be! Lord, hasten the day that you have called. 3. Evil will no longer prevail. The will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The world will no longer be what it now is. Satan will no longer have dominion as the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He will be dethroned and bound. Antichrists will no longer have power, but will be struck down. Iniquity will no longer overflow. The curse will pass away, and creation will be delivered. The cry of the preacher, Ecclesiastes 1, 2, and 8, will no longer be heard. All things are wearisome, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Man will not put light for darkness, or darkness for light, nor call evil good and good evil. The vile person will no longer be called liberal, nor the rude person said to be bountiful. The effects of the fall will disappear, and all things will be made new. 4. Error will give place to truth. The first sin was at once an error and a disobedience. Man allowed dark and untrue thoughts of God to come in. Since then, error has overflowed the earth like a deluge. It has spread, ramified, and multiplied. Out of God's book of truth, men have, in perverse ways, drawn errors and falsehoods innumerable. Some of the worst untruths have been those professedly deduced from the book of truth. Indeed, and men glory in error, provided it is either clever or earnest. They call it speculation, philosophy, or free thought. Yet all error is sin, and we find error everywhere, in the world and in the church. God is dishonored by it. His Son is denied. His book is set aside or misinterpreted. But when man's day is over and God's day comes, then error will depart and truth will flourish. False science, vain philosophy, and impure literature will not be known any more. True knowledge will cover the earth and fill the souls of men. Truth will then be prized and exalted when He who is the truth and the true one will reign. His throne will be the throne of truth, His crown the crown of truth, His light will put darkness to flight, 
Every falsehood and unreality will disappear. Everything will be real and true. And five, the saints of God will no longer be maligned. All along, hatred, contempt, and misrepresentation have been their portion. All manner of evil has been spoken and written concerning them, both in life and after death. They have been treated as the despised of all things. But when that day will come that God has called, this will be all reversed. Their lives will be all rewritten, and that by a divine hand. No misrepresentation, no falsehood there. The one-sided or malevolent histories that have slandered them will vanish. God Himself will proclaim their true character and noble deeds or sacrifices that the world denied or sneered at. We will have new and noble volumes of worthies, of saints and martyrs whose names the world never introduced into its histories. What a day of avenging injuries and righting the wronged will God's day be! Let us then be patient under the smearing of evil men. Let ungodly historians vilify our noblest men, our reformers, our covenanters. Let them slander Knox and Calvin, Melvin and Rutherford, or Whitefield and the evangelists of his age. The day of reparation is coming. The falsehoods will not always lie upon their memories. God Himself will undertake their vindication, to the confusion of their slanderers. What a day for the clearing up of characters and the placing of events, words, and deeds in their proper light! Then will the lie be answered, the accusation debunked before the universe. Then will the righteous shine as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let us then rest in hope. Let us be patient. Let us meekly bear wrongs and reproaches. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Isaiah 28:16. This is night, but the morning comes. Let us rejoice in the prospect of it, and do our work regardless of present censure and reproach, anticipating the well done of the great Master and Judge. He stands before the door.